coming-of-age tales are as old as storytelling itself. They provide an outline for a universal journey that everyone will take at some point in their lives in an attempt to define themselves in relation to the world around them. What are the common threads to this timeless genre? What makes these tales so universally appealing? Why do some experiences ring truer than others? Join the Bonsai Boys, Jay and Travis, in this four-part series as they explore the coming-of-age genre through examples in film, television, literature, and music. Uh, Jay, I want to know, how did uh, puberty affect you, but... More specifically, I want to know how puberty affected like your face. Like, how did you how did you physically survive puberty? Did it hit you hard? Like, did you get were you like a pimple kid? I was kind of a pimply kid, yeah, yeah. And I was one of those kids that like, you know, everybody says, "Leave it alone, don't pop it. It's just going to leave a human." Stop scar. picking at it. Mm-hmm. You, well, you know what? They were right, hundred percent. You got pock. Uh, they call them pock marks, right? Oh yeah, dude. I got yeah. You probably can't see I it. Can't, I can't yeah. see it. Like I, that was always the fear. I remember. I don't know who it was. Maybe it was like my mom or my dad or my sister. But when you watch Bill Murray, and you look at his face, you're like, "Why is his face like that, Dad?" And he's like, "Well, keep picking your pimples and find out." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> I'm like, "What?" Uh, I'm a, how am I supposed to get rid of my pimples? So you you had it bad then. Uh-huh. Did, did they cluster? Were they like the kind that? clustered into like one like mega megatron not megatron but voltron pimple <laughs> yeah, we well, could do megatron yeah. when they pop they come out with like a certain caliber force i feel like yeah. they would sound like megatron like they it would ah the pimple face ah! <laughs> no uh, i didn't have it a lot i didn't have it a lot where it's like some of these poor dudes it like it clusters uh, and it almost like did changes there. the shape of their face poor d- poor dudes <laughs> I wish I was that clever, <laughs> but unfortunately, I am not. No, I just had, I had a few colossal, you know, a few, you know, nice built up, peaked, if you will, uh, uh, zits, and and it, yeah, dude, they left scars. Yeah, uh, that's a bummer. Um, but you can't tell. I can't tell through video video chat. Oh, that's good. I had. Um, I had pimples. Uh, in fact, I was still... I mean, I got a pimple... I, I got a pimple mark on, on here. It's been, like, years since I've had pimples, but I had them well into, like, my, my early 30s uh, where I'd still have pimples. For me, it was... I didn't get clusters of them, but I would get, like, the big, the big pimple, you mm-hmm. know, like here mm-hmm. and then a couple of small ones here. And because I was so white, like, they really stood out. Like, they were really prominent. And I tried... I, I did... Every, I tried the tooth. Did you ever try the toothpaste shit that they said works? Like, put some toothpaste no. on it. That makes it work. Because <sighs> I, I used to use like that Clearasil or whatever. Or yeah, I tried Clearasil and that will kind of shrink it. Um, but uh, I, I just tried about everything. And my parents were gonna pay, weren't going to pay for Clearasil for me. Like, this is just puberty. And I'm like, Mom, like no one else in my school has pimples, or if they do, they're they're figuring out how to how to you know get rid of them and so like i remember popping those bad boys oh man and then you're like sometimes it would make it worse like oh i wish i regret doing that immediately or it won't (laughs) pop and so you keep touching it and it gets bigger and bigger Mm -hmm. 
you couldn't do anything with it. I think my my senior picture, you could tell they used uh, Photoshop to like help, you know, lessen the the pimples for all the kids. You know, their senior year, there there's got, but you can still see like the I probably have about five or six pimples in various stages of development coming through there. Puberty is a bitch, man. Yeah. And then there's some assholes who have like beautiful faces all through their teenage years. What are you going to do? It's not fair. You got to fight them. That's what we do. You, you punch in the face until it looks like, like yours. So, to... Not like yours, not yours in particular, <laughs> yeah, but you know, punch them until the they... pimply face. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to cut you. I'm going to cut you. Yeah, I don't know. I think that, um, but it wasn't that big of a deal. I wasn't doing a lot of dating in in high school, so it wasn't like, oh man, I got this big date coming up. Uh, I gotta, I gotta get some clearasol on my face, or I, I gotta get this this pimple away. But it, it was something like I, you'd sit in class and you kind of gross, but it, like you pick at it, you know, pick at it, pop it. Sometimes uh, they would kind of pop on their own. You know, and so uh, someone's like, "Oh, dude, you're you're bleeding," and you're like, "Oh, so embarrassing!" Like you're just. Do we get the kind of, that, that that don't stop bleeding? Mm. That like you sit there, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, this is gonna like bleed me to dry." Like, it just <laughs> won't stop, no matter what you do. <laughs> it's like a hemophiliac's worst nightmare. Don't touch my face! Don't touch my face! I'm gonna die! I'm a very sensitive boy. Welcome to the Pop Bonsai Podcast. All right, Jay, um, I'm going to welcome you to a new set. Welcome, Jay, to a new set. Thank you, Travis. Can you welcome me back into a new set as well? Travis, I'd like to welcome you to our coming-of-age set. Ah, spell coming for me. Behold, behold, my friends. (laughs) Behold, the set to end all sets. Uh, yes, we are uh, the Pop Bonsai uh, podcast, or as I've started taking, or as I have started taking to calling us on our show notes, the Bonsai Boys with a Z. Ooh, I like that. I Z. I was like, is a Bonsai Boys sound too douchey? And I'm like, oh yes, it does, and I like it. Like we are, we are too old to be called anything boys. Uh, but I feel we have, uh, our, our podcast has boyish qualities. So the Bonsai Boys are here to stay. We're the Bonsai Boys and we're here to stay. We'll be talking pop culture all night and day. Hey, ho. See, that's, that's, that's Bonsai Boys with a Z. <laughs> well, like I said, this is the start of a new set. And as Jay introduced, it is the coming of age set. So for the next four episodes, including this one, we are going to be looking at, oh, if we can even call it, I'm going to call it a genre uh, of coming of age stories. 
And we're going to be yeah. looking at this genre uh, across different mediums in pol- uh, pop culture as we are wont to do on the Pop Bonsai podcast. So in no particular order, uh, Jay, what do we got on deck for uh, the Pop Bonsai coming of age set? So this episode, we are going to talk about... Uh, you want me to just go through like the whole the whole yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Not just this episode. Okay. So this episode we're going to be talking about uh, the the movie City of God, mm-hmm. which came out in two thousand two. Phenomenal movie. I can't wait to get the, into this. With Much you. more of that to come um, later. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> and next episode we're going to be talking about the TV show Freaks and Geeks. And after that. We're going to be talking about the um, the novel that was, uh, gosh, I don't remember what year it came out, but it was written by uh, a guy that that Travis and I uh, really, really like. Uh, his name is Frank Portman. He's also the singer. I call him Dr. Fr- you call him Dr. Frank Dahl. <laughs> and he is also known as Dr. Frank, lead singer of the Mr. T Experience, which is an awesome punk band from the late eight or mid eighties, nineties, early, even early two thousands, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, great band. Travis and I love them a lot. And, and I can't wait to get into that one too. And then of course, we're going to top it all off with our classic bonsai boys, uh, post set playlist where we each oh, pick yeah, seven songs that we think encapsulate some of the ideas that we discover along the way to becoming men. We're going to become men on this men. set, Jay. Real men. Finally. My voice. My voice was. I had pimples. My voice wasn't a cracker though. I didn't have a. No. My voice didn't crack. I mean, there were certainly sometimes, but I. There were a lot of kids that I knew that had it a lot worse, and mm. I teased them mercilessly. I had pimples. I was like short, the baby fat, but so I was looking for any sign of weakness in others. And if someone was like, <laughs> "You guys want to go play soccer?" I'm like, "Whoa, oh, yeah, your voice is cracked." You clear skin motherfucker. <laughs> he, he's a he's he is human after all. Take him down. I know. We found his weak spot. Exploited. Yeah. His vocal cords. Ah, you sounded like a girl. Um So uh, I'm really excited about this. I will say this. I'm gonna start us off, uh, Jay, with talking about the coming of age is probably or is continually one, if not maybe my most favorite type of story to consume uh, is the coming of age story. It is, uh, we're, we're just going to go ahead and call it a genre. And we can debate whether it's a genre okay. or a trope, whatever it is. But this, this genre of uh, storytelling, I think it's, it crosses all genres, but this, this uh, mm-hmm. idea of coming of age, these types of stories. And they always get me. Uh, I think uh, I cry more at coming of age stories than I do any other films or books or anything like that. Uh, coming of age stories get me the most, you know, they, 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 they hit me where it hurts right in my emotional heartstrings. And I, the, for me, you know, there's a lot of aspects to a coming of age story that I think hopefully we'll be able to touch on some of those, but in a lot of versions of the story, it's, it's about the loss of innocence now, that loss, of course, can come about in tragic ways, and it can come about in also subtle ways. And even when the loss of childhood innocence comes around in a subtle way, 
like, um, oh, you know, like in a, you know, sandlot kind of way or something like that, you know, uh, it still really resonates with me. There's something so heartbreaking about not being able to go back about not about not being able we're only children for so long and people have different childhoods whether it was horrible or or uh the, the most amazing childhood ever there is something sad for me about not being able to go back to that time of innocence you know uh and so when that happens to a character even if it's for you know for the better there is a part of me that my heart breaks and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, yeah, that's great that that happened, but uh, you can't go back. Yes. Yes. I agree. Uh, and one of the things that, um, first of all, and I don't mean to just kind of sound like I'm, I'm, uh, you know, trying to lift ourselves up or anything, but I, I really like, okay. Cause so when you, when you proposed the set a while ago, I'm like, okay, so uh, Sisterhood of Traveling Pants, maybe a couple of uh, Gilmore Girl episodes. I don't know, <laughs> you know. But this, what we picked here, I I really really enjoy, and I, I like coming of age stories as well. Um, you know, like like you, you know, I, I'm a, I'm the, the doesn't take a whole lot to to activate the tear ducts for me. Um, especially coming in coming of age stories. Um, one of the things that just off the top of my head, I, one of the movies I, I always get really emotional is Stand By Me. Um, especially at the end when they start talking about how, you know, this this that summer and, and how their life what their what happened to each of their lives afterwards and how they were they never really were as close as they were that summer. And it's just it's so heartbreaking because yeah, like and I think because everyone goes through it in in one form or another, and anytime you and it's such an emotional time for a person that whenever somebody gets it right, it just it hits those heartstrings, you know, all over again. And, and I think that's why this this subject matter for me also is is um it's an emotional subject for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, as I mentioned, uh, I mentioned this in our uh, intro uh, to the our uh, this pod these podcasts that is, and you you hit on right now is the idea. This is a universal experience. Um, the the movement, the transition, the journey from childhood into adulthood uh, that happens at different times for people. Sometimes it has to happen very early because of circumstances, too early than what we would like as a society. Uh, sometimes it happens very late. Uh, well past someone's teens, where they have that coming of of age experience uh, or moment even. Um, And so it's very broad in its portrayal in in media and in pop culture. Uh, Well, it's a very broad experience. Like everyone has a different version of it. But what pop culture allows allows us to do is tell these very specific stories um, so I think that the coming of age genre has the ability to tell very specific stories that seem very specialized, um, and very defined, but because everyone has had their, 
own coming of age experience. Uh, it is um, a universal. So, um, mm-hmm. well, let's go ahead and get right into it. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, our 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 first piece of media we're going to look at is actually a film. Uh, it's called City of God. Uh, this is a 2002. It's described as a Brazilian crime uh, film. Uh, who uh, we have two directors on this, Jay. Um, okay. <laughs> so yeah. Um, Portu- the, the film is, is Portuguese, mm-hmm. um, or they spoke Portuguese. And, and uh, was, uh, just um, so you know, Jay speaks fluent Portuguese. So go ahead and hit him with the pronunciation of these names. Jay. <laughs> Flawless. <laughs> uh, any, no, I speak a little bit of Spanish, but sometimes it's different. So it was directed by, um, okay. I don't even know how much accent I should put on. So that's oh, kind of go full, but, full, full accent. <laughs> Fernando Mireyes, and I'm not even sure if this is, but Kaita, Kaita Lunk, mm-hmm. I don't know how you pronounce that. Well, that sounds um, anyway, good to me. Yeah, and um, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese, like, because um, Spanish was actually my first language I, I, before I spoke English, and so I can still hear some words in Portuguese, like listening to, you know, watching this movie, I could, I can pick up certain words and some of the translation on, on the subtitles did not do it justice. But, really? And, oh no, no. And uh, like, same thing with Italian. Like I can pick up certain words here and there, but sometimes it's just, it's cl- as close as it is sometimes. Sometimes it's radically different. Hmm. So. Interesting. Yeah, that's weird. Well, I assume that about subtitles, but um, you know, I guess, uh, you, I always wonder how much is being lost in translation, you know, uh, as far as what are they like the beauty of the sentiment being expressed in the language, as opposed to let's just communicate the gist of it. Yeah. Cause I mean, a lot of it was slang. Yeah. You know, um, and even in, in some of the Portuguese slang, I, I picked up some Spanish, in there and i'm like ah, you know that's kind of funny and and it yeah the the translation the subtitles were so literal i can imagine in this (laughs) in this film in portuguese and maybe it it crossed over to spanish there's a lot of crude language yeah yeah um yeah Hey, watch it (laughs) that's a good good one yeah that's a good one i just like saying punta uh, all right, so um, this is so this this story it it fought it, it's it's labeled as like when you look it up it'll be labeled as a crime drama, uh, but I I think it it does certainly fall into the coming of age genre as well uh, in a much more kind of intense, uh, higher stakes way than some of the other stuff that we're going to be looking at as coming to uh, as a coming of age story. So. Uh, this one is probably certainly has the highest stakes as far as life and death. And this story is based on a novel. This film is based on a novel. Um, and that novel is loosely based on real events. Uh, and the real events happened in it. There's basically like a suburb of Rio de Janeiro uh, that in the night that started to 
build and grow in the 1960s where our story flashes back to and sets its scene all the way to the early 80s where a couple of, of our key characters have really taking, taken up the power vacuum in this Rio de Janeiro suburb, which they're calling the, you know, that is the titular city of God uh, in the movie. And it follows um, our several protagonists, but our main character that we're given the story from is a character whose nickname is Rocket. They all have nicknames in this that, are, of course, translate to English and Portuguese, but our, our main character is this kid named Rocket. And we basically get the story of this um, Rio de Janeiro suburb through his eyes going from being a young adolescent child to being a young man. Yes, and the thing that I really liked about this, well, there's several things I liked mm. about this movie, I and mean, uh, I've never seen it before. This is my first time seeing it. Um, it, it. There's a lot of stories in here, a lot of stories put together, and and the story of the the boy that that's ends up being a reporter is kind of threaded through all of them. Mm-hmm. And it's so impressive to me how I feel like all of these characters were thoroughly fleshed out yet weren't much weren't on the screen much at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody from, from little Z to Benny to knock out Ned. It's like, I feel like I was invested in those characters. Mm-hmm. And Without a super long runtime either. Yeah. And they, they didn't, I don't know. I, I, they did a really good job developing those characters, those stories and making, piecing it, all these tales into a, a, a cohesive movie that doesn't feel different chapters yeah that's a that's a very insightful idea this does have a very song of the south burr rabbit burr fox uh uh, frame to it where it's these small modern folk tales legends about these local heroes anti-heroes and villains told separately that all interconnect we use rocket as the the watcher who kind of is there in the presence of all these stories and who's who's able to see their connections and relay those to us as the viewer but they are these nice little vignettes and each vignette um for example a little z our main antagonist throughout this story has little vignettes where you you do feel sympathy for him and then others where oh, yeah. you you're like this is a, this character is a monster, um, like when he when he goes in and as a little boy and starts shooting up the whorehouse and just laughing. I mean it's it's chilling that scene, and uh, yeah. the performances in this movie are absolutely fantastic. And uh, yeah, we'll, yes. we'll talk about those later on. And it's shot just beautiful, so stylized in in the way a crime, the way you expect a crime film to be, um, in there. So um, you talked about the 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 framework of this, and I think what the framework allows us to do is, even though we have several different stories in here, uh, all our stories 
even Knockout Ned, who's a little bit older, maybe he looks older than the actor than he's as an actor that I think his character is supposed to play be. Um, be. But they're all like young characters. And so even though you can look at this, this is kind of rockets coming of age because he is the survivor of the story. Uh, and so he gets to uh-huh. move on to uh, an adulthood. This film is populated with a bunch of young male characters struggling through their coming of age moments, struggling through the challenge of their coming of, of age movement. So when I, when I look at this, I'm like, this is a coming of age story. Whose coming of age story is it? I'm like, well, it's uh, almost every male character in this story is going, is, is trying to figure out their place within the, this microcosm of society. That is this city of God. Um, but only one really survives it. And you have the key ingredients. You have um, of a coming-in-age tale. You have the, uh, how do I measure up against my my peers? And I'm going to probably talk about this movie from a male perspective. We'll, we'll, I think when we get to Freaks and Geeks, we can look at common there, commonalities between coming-of-age of female stories and, and male stories. I think there's a lot of universalness. But in this one, is a hyper-masculine story. So it's the, how do I stack up against my peers, in this case, males? How do I deal with women and uh, sexuality and sex? How do I deal with my environment, which is a big one for this one, like where I grew up and making fun of it? How do I deal with what's expected of me and what I want to do, my past, and then where the future's going? So all those seem to be key ingredients to a coming-of-age story. So of any of those that I just mentioned, is there any of those that struck out to you um, that you'd like to, to discuss? There's several. Um, Yeah, I'll just start off with um, environment. So this, okay, so when we, uh, you know, as in, you know, society, especially here in America, everybody says, well, you know, you can grow up and you can be whatever you want. You know, you go to school, you get good grades, you can go to college and you can be an astronaut, son. Or you can, you know, be a, an engineer on a train or whatever, airline like whatever you want to do. It's the, the, you know, it's an open book, sky's the limit, whatever. You know, Rocket, who, you know, you can argue was one of the few that had like a, uh, was born with a decent head on his shoulders. Um, you know, he was like, you know what? I don't want to do this thing. I don't want to do crime. I'm sick of it. And he tries to go legit. And he gets a job at a grocery store briefly and the manager accuses him of being a a hood and fires him without paying him. And, you know, he's sitting there to himself saying, well, I tried to go legit. That was my, my attempt to go legit. I give up. Nobody wants to help me. Um, And it, I can't even imagine the sense of hopelessness in some of these kids where you have you pretty much if you want to survive you have to join a street gang mm-hmm. you know you either have to be a ruthless little z psycho killer guy or you have to be like a toady and just work under these monsters as a, an accountant as a, 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 a pusher a dealer they all had these their little jobs 
lined up according to your skill sets. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was pretty much it. You know, um, it it in that sense, this movie like really got to me mm-hmm. um, because of that. It just it felt so um, de- not depressing isn't really the word, but it 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 got to you that hopelessness, that sense of hopelessness that they had. You're just like, oh, I, I think man. that is a key ingredient to the coming of age story. Is we we find the character sometimes, uh, oftentimes we meet the character in a state of disillusionment. Uh, it is it is the um, the rumblings of a change about to come. Uh, for change to happen, there has to be some kind of conflict within a person with their environment, their state of being. And when we're young kids, especially in in uh, uh, a safe or comfortable or routine uh, of childhood, uh, we, we're able to kind of take our orders and and go through our routines and, and do what's expected of us. Uh, but there comes a point where the seeds of disillusionment start to be to be embedded, uh, be planted in that person. It doesn't matter if you're from the slums of Rio de Janeiro or if you're from the suburbs of Chicago, like in or uh, of uh, uh, a John Hughes movie. You know, it's it doesn't matter if you're Molly Ringwald and a rich girl and you're like, you know what? I'm disillusioned with people only looking at me as this country club woman with no brain or whatever it is or you're like i'm disillusioned with the fact that everyone looks at me like i'm a hood and i live in poverty and this would it's in order for that coming of age tale to kick off the disillusionment has to be established and it could be done in a very extreme way like in city of god where there's a great amount of sympathy with the audience right there or it could be done in a way like a John Hughes film where the the sympathy isn't built in because the the what they are being disillusioned with doesn't seem as uh intense or as um crucial uh to that character's survival but it's still just as important to that character. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you say John Hughes, I immediately thought like Breakfast Club. You remember like Emilio Estevez characters, you know, my dad expects me to be this jock and he always wants me to win. And, you know, and, and you know, Judd Nelson's like, every, you know, everybody thinks I'm a, you know, I'm a my dad put and, cigarettes out on me. Yeah. Smoke yeah. them up, Johnny. Smoke up, Johnny. <laughs> yeah. But the, the point of that, that, that putting those together was to show that each of those people's disillusionment with their life was valid. Now, the consequences mm-hmm. of each, you know, one manifested in actual child abuse and the other was uh, a mild form of, of adolescent depression um, is but they're they're both valid and both extremely important to those characters. Um, and and you see that here, as you so aptly put out with with Rocket, as he is watching the people in his environment do things to survive that he instinctually and morally knows is wrong. So he tries to go straight. He's, he's repelled from that, that aspect and the disillusionment builds even greater, but his internal compass forbades him from actually doing crime. There's a great scene where they go out to commit a crime, but they keep running into nice people. And so that's also where we meet knockout Ned, but, um, 
it, it was so nice because it seems such like me like let's go out and start let's raise some hell and i can't do that man oh, you know your friend's <laughs> like dude go in there and just grab all the beef jerky off the counter and just like run out and you go in there and they're like hi how you doing i like your jacket and you're like oh man i can't do this <laughs> oh man it was a great scene yeah great scene I think they tried like three times and they were just like, well, it's called having a conscience. Yeah. Know, there's conscience. one, the great one where like the the guy picks him up and he's like, uh, he's not from there or something like that. Like he's basically a yuppie, the equivalent of a yuppie. And they're like, oh yeah, uh, wrong place, wrong time, dude. We are going to roll your ass. And then even he like is cool. He's talking to him about music and giving him a joint and stuff like that. And he's like, oh man, this guy's cool. We can't do this to him. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, that that's that, a key that a aspect key. that that environment and, and disillusionment disillusionment because the city of God, the titular character in this, really is the character. Is uh, even though Rocket is frames the story, it is the character of the city of God. It really shapes yeah. the lives of of our boys that we see through here, uh, and really in different and interesting ways uh, throughout the story. So, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. I was just thinking about where I want, where we want to take this next, because uh, it's such a a big topic and uh, a, a film. So, uh, what else struck you? Because this is your first time watching this, and I had seen this a couple of times, but it had been years since I watched it, and I wanted to watch it first to make sure there was enough to chew on as far as the coming of age aspect to it. Um, did anything ring true to you, even though this was? Uh, once we get past the early 60s stuff, we, we jump forward and Rocket is, it's the early 80s and Rocket is like a teenager, upper teenager, and he's going about living his life in, in this city and, and making his own. Is there anything that struck you as universal about how he was living his teenage years? Even though this is a uh, different um, culture, a different era? It It was because... So you had all these colorful characters around Rocket, right? You had, you know, we mentioned Little Z, who was like the, the hardcore gangster guy. And you had uh, his buddy, Benny, who, who was just like a larger than life character that everyone loved. And then you had Rocket, okay? So Rocket, you know, he may have not been the smartest guy or the most ruthless guy or the best looking guy, but he somehow kind of just woke, like just made his way through these, these uh, social, uh, uh, I don't know, social tears. He ingratiates, social he ingratiates himself very easily into multiple worlds. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and he just kind of bounces through and everyone likes him enough mm -hmm. and i really identified with that because you know i felt like going through high school except like jocks and stuff because no, they didn't like me but you know you go through like the 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 metal kids and then the punker kids and then the hippie kids and then the goth kids and then the theater kids and the band kids you know it's like they're I never really fit in with any of those, but I had friends that were in all of those. Right. Does and in, in the movie, they call him, it must've been like 
Brazilian, they call them groovies, groovies, I believe, his genre of, because they were the street thugs, there were the, uh, 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 at one point, oh, yeah, Benny's, yeah. Benny says he's a playboy, they're the playboys, they're the groovies, uh, the groovies are kind of like rock and roll, smoking, basically like hippies of of Brazil yeah. at this time, and that's what uh, Rocket and his kind of crew is. Then you have Little Z, or like the street thugs. Then you have people like uh, Knockout Ned, who are the the playboys. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, there, there's a lot of identity establishing in there. But go on, you're saying you, you identify with Rocket in that that way. Yeah, you know, but um, I, ultimately, I think that's kind of what saved him. Um, you know, he you know, a lot of people that join these social groups, um, they, they, they join them and you have to, you have to live up to a certain stereotype. You know, you have to live up to uh, peer pressure, uh, you know, all this, these, these social rules that come with being in these circles. And the fact that rocket never really belonged to either of them, I think kind of saved him in a way. I don't know. I mean, that's my no, take. no. I I think so as well. It's uh the idea of being uh again coming of age uh sense of you that sense of feeling like an outsider um yeah. Uh, yeah. in order to discover who you are uh and I think instinctually as young people our natural instinct is to gravitate to a group that has an identity in order to find our own identity. Whether you're like, oh, I want to hang out with the skateboarders, so now I'm going to wear Jinko jeans and and buy a skateboard, or I'm going to hang out with, you know, fill in the the jocks, and I'm going to join the soccer team, and I'm going to hang out with them, and I'm going to go work out on, the, you know, whatever it is, you're looking for a group to establish your own identity. But I I think the the people who come out into adulthood who have learned the lesson of, yeah, you know, uh, the more people you you get in a group, the more they they tend to develop commonalities and have a group aesthetic. However, that doesn't really, it's not healthy to base your whole identity on a group aesthetic. And when you're right. a kid and you're going through puberty and you're trying to find your identity separate from your parents, separate from your environment, you you join these groups in order to give you that. But ultimately, as you get older and you look back on it, you realize that, yes, those groups can be a stepping stone to finding your identity, but they can also be a hindrance. Uh, and since Rocket is part of this, this groovy group, which and he has this amiable personality, which allows him to walk between worlds, between the Playboy world, between the druggy world. Like, he's able to go... They establish this because he's always buying joints for the girl that he loves, right? That he's got a crush on. So he has to like dip his toes into the drug world and and go to Blackie's and buy a joint. So he, he's always inserting himself into that world at the wrong time. And but the one thing that he has that's different from all of the other people is his passion for photography. And you'll right. see this often in coming of age stories where even if a, a kid is part of a group, they will be passionate about something specific that separates them from the others of the group. Um, you know, uh, they will have some sort of special ability or inherent talent. Look at like uh, Matt Damon in Google Hunting. He's just extremely brilliant, 
right? So it separates him from the rest of his kind of Boston buddies, right? So there is something in them that can make them, that can make them extraordinary if they realize that it ultimately is what makes them different from the people they're so desperately trying to be a part of. Um, yeah. Yeah. I saw that. I mean, I, I keep bringing up Benny because he was like my favorite character. Um, but I definitely saw that in, in Benny being a, a, a thug, a street hood. And the, his, the thing that made him so different is that he was so likable. Mm-hmm. Like er, he, he, he was so compassionate and everyone liked him. It's like whoever you know, does that make any sense to have like a, yeah, you know, a thug, a killer, you know, and especially because you've, you've seen you? in the movie the stuff that he did when he was a young kid. Like he was there when yeah. little, little, he was little dice at the time, but little Z was blowing people away. You know, he wasn't there for the yep. big massacre that little Z went on, but he was there when, when little Z shot Sha- Shaggy or a uh, goose, yeah. whichever, uh, uh was goose it was it was rocket's older brother um yeah benny is my favorite character as well it's i think he's supposed to be our favorite character right he's so likable and it's so sad when he dies because it's not like the antagonist kills him right it's not like it's not like little z kills him that's little z's buddy but it's also uh rocket's buddy uh so like he is benny even more so than Rocket has the ability to travel between worlds, but in a very showy, ostentatious way. Uh, whereas uh, Rocket is much more in the shadows, easy to forget about, because he's such a small fry, he can just kind of move around. Benny has this huge target on his back, so he takes a big risk being so open and so kind to all these people. Uh, and ultimately, it, it has consequences, you know? Uh, and it's so tragic the way he dies. He's 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 leaving. He decides to leave his his crime. He's he's coming of age. He's had that moment. Like him discovering the the groovies and stepping away from Z enough to get perspective and falling in love is his coming of age mo- uh, moment. We could follow Benny in right. that movie, and that's a whole separate movie. Is just Benny's story, and yeah. He he comes to the epiphany moment where like oh I don't need this anymore I'm a ma- I'm my own man I know who I am in relation to my world yeah. and environment I'm ready to take the next step now that ends tragically uh, in in his coming of age story um, and same with Knockout Ned um, Knockout Ned thinks he knows who he is he's he's served in in as a soldier. Uh, we meet him in his probably like early mid twenties, um, and because of a, a tragic event that he goes through, he comes of age in the opposite way. It was great, and he had to come to age. He had to realize the harsh reality of his environment, and he subca- he, he, mm-hmm. he succumbed to it, and ultimately that destroyed him. Uh. Yeah, that was so sad because he had when we first meet knockout ned he had his like his personal mantra together you know uh he he meets rocket and his friend and he says hey man you know this is who i am this is what i believe you know if you want to make it out of here this is what you got to do 
you know, and even as he starts to get sucked into that, that gangster world, he's like, okay, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do this my way, you know, and slowly but surely those rules just kind of, you know, fall down and he just becomes one of them and letting go of, of those beliefs of his is in kind I mean, I don't know if you agree with this, but it's kind of like what got him killed at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, he very much knockout Ned very much believed in not killing. And then he goes, well, I don't want to kill innocent people. I'll kill the bad guys. Right. And then, you know, he was robbing a bank and one of the guys that had a gun at the bank, it was a bank employee. He turned around and shot him. Well, that guy, the bank employee's son, his the little boy, ended up killing Ned at the end. Um, and you know, you can't help but think, well, geez, if you would have kept to your beliefs, would you still be alive? Yeah, you know, very uh, so, Saving Private Ryan moment. Let him go. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's yeah. That idea of that belief system and, and changing it in in a way that is what we as an audience would deem a negative way in succumbing to that ultimately had the consequences. You know, as soon as you kill, you cross that line. Um, also, it's probably why Benny couldn't live either, because even though we didn't see him do anything very extreme, we know that he was just as culpable for the deaths and torture of many people, uh, no matter if yeah, he, he was did right that there. one. Yeah. What do you think about this class of characters in here? I forget what they call them. They're not the runts, but they're the little kids of the city of God. Uh, they call them something crazy, dude. Yeah, uh, I know. You're... I we'll call them. The, they're not called the runts. Uh, uh, but this it's something. It's something close. Yeah, it's something close to that. Um, but there's this, this whole really population scary. of kind of orphan children that roam the streets of the city of of God, and they're kind of like wild dogs. They don't follow the rules yeah. of the city of God. The, the city of God, then what do you, what you want to say about little Z is even though he's harsh, he has established order in the city of God and he has some competitors, but for a, a amount of time it was, you know, there were rules and as you follow the rules, um, you and bend the knee, then it's a fairly functioning city. Uh, but these, there's this gang of like, five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, probably all the way up to 11-year-olds that are like feral animals. And at the end, they they really show, the cycle starts over again. These kids are what Little Z was back in the 60s, and at the end, they end up taking out Little Z. And we see the movie end with them walking into the alley, pretending to be something they're not, pretending to be big gangsters, and we realize, oh, the cycle's just going to start all over again here. Yeah, it it does because didn't they say at the end that these the little kids grew up to be I think they said the Red Gang, which was one of the most ferocious that Rio de Janeiro had ever seen. Um, yeah, so yeah, you're right. The 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 thug guys that we we kind of see grow up, they do. They have things they care about. They have possessions. They have people. They have homes. But these little kids, man, they got nothing. Like you said, they are. They're like a pack of like little wild dogs. Mm. You just go around and and they're fast and they're smart for their age. And they just go and, and rob places and they just do whatever they want. And that right there puts them at an advantage. And 
you know, and now you've got like a whole like little gang of all little Z's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and they take it. They take the abuse. They do it and and they somehow, you know, they just get stronger and stronger and the older they get. And oh man. Well, there is a, um, a sequel to this movie called City of Men, and there is a TV show series that follows same like directors, producers, and things like that, I guess. Uh, and I haven't seen either of them. I wonder if that follows that gang mm-hmm. you were talking about. I wonder if it goes forward know. and follows that. Hmm. Could be. So I just want to throw this in there. One of the things that I thought was really interesting. Um, so right off the bat, this is this was called um, uh, the uh, Brazilian or uh, Goodfellas, mm-hmm. and uh, that's kind of a lazy comparison mm-hmm. in a way. But so I kind of had that head the whole time. But I think the difference, one of the differences that that really struck me with this than a lot of the American gangster movies. Um, was the way, and this is so weird, but I don't know why this affected me so much. The way they used guns and the way they killed. If you notice, whenever a character knew he had to kill or was going to kill, he just took out his gun and shot the guy. Mm-hmm. There wasn't no, they didn't pull out. A, yeah, you know, hide it in the toilet. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, they, the shot wasn't the slow motion, you know, some snarky remark and yeah no they just go get your fuck go get your shine box yeah yeah (laughs) this took you know and then the guns it felt they felt like they they used them like tools yeah exactly instead of weapons yeah that's a very yeah disturbing that's very insightful and it it felt more realistic you know at one point you know uh they, they just pull out the gun and they just shoot him in the foot. Like which foot do you like you want your hand or your foot? And the little kid, this little eight year old, and he doesn't like, he pulls out his hand, just boom, shoots him in the foot, you know? Uh, and the way the, the uh, squib blows up and everything like that, it's like, oh yeah, that, that kid lost like part of his foot, but you could survive that. And it would be very painful if you get him. To, but it's yeah. Ooh. Yeah, you're right. It is very utilitarian as far as how they use guns and more realistic in that way, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And it just builds the anxiety levels of those of certain scenes so much more, you know, because, you know, it's coming, you right. know, it's I don't know. Well, as we kind of approach the end here, what do you think about the end of this film as far as, OK, if we look at this as a bunch of mini coming of age stories, but we look at ultimately Rockets uh rocket is there at the end of the era of little z he gets he actually you know he starts getting undercover at this this paper to take photos for him which is something he wants to do like he follows these photojournalists um and he he gets the shot of little z dead and being you know all that stuff like that and um all that ultimately gets him an internship uh, we don't know what happens to him. I mean, maybe maybe it happens later in m- movies. We follow the character more. But as far as that's concerned, is that a, do you find that it to be a satisfying ending for this particular story? I did actually. Um, I thought the. I thought it was it it was. I don't feel like it was too. I mean, I don't feel it was too much. I don't feel like. 
there wasn't anything that didn't come around to those who deserved it. I didn't, you know, I, um, I was satisfied with the ending. How, how about you? I like it a lot too. Um, I like that it's not so pie in the sky. And then I became the, the biggest journalist yeah. in Rio de Janeiro after this photo. It's just like, no, he gets an internship, <laughs> you know? Uh, and, yeah. and his kind of, and a little bit of safety because the people that he was involved with aren't really there. So he can kind of get back to his life in that city. And so it's a small change as far as that's concerned, but our character has discovered self I guess he's always been self-reliant, but more of purpose. He, 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 mm -hmm. he understands maybe a little bit more of why he was put in this city to begin with. And when you're in a city this hopeless, you might be like, why, why me? Why, why God did you put me, uh, in this city? You know? Uh, and then when he's able to, to capture these photos and tell these stories to the world, the outside world of this closed off crime ridden city. He's like, Oh, this is, this is why I'm here is to do this. This is why I, I, my talents come to life. I can, I can, I can wander these streets. I can get behind that door. I can get access to that, which the other characters couldn't, the other characters could, you know, I can get you pictures of the groovies if you want, or I can get you a story about the playboys, but I can't do both, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so he gets to be this, the observer of this world. Mm -hmm. I thought mm -hmm. that was a nice, nice way to end it there. One thing that's um, just little tidbits, another little tidbit that I really enjoyed was when he started working at the newspaper and he saw one of the journalists that, I guess he kind of looked up to um, he's like, Hey, this there's so-and-so. And, and the guy was cool to him. Kind of, mm -hmm. you know, the guy was like, you know, he was kind of nice. And same thing when that lady took one of rockets pictures of, of little Z's gang and published it. And the rockets freaks out on yeah. her. Right. And he goes over there and, and he, you're killing me. Why'd you do this? You're going to get me killed. Yeah. You're going to get me killed. And the lady was like, cool you know she's like wait wait calm down you know let's let's you know let's work together let's do and so i i think so often in situations like this a lot of times like there's unnecessary opposition in scenes like that mm -hmm. where they're just like the guy's a dick and he needs to overcome you know he finally has to win him over or the lady's a, you know a jerk and and she you know mm. i i often i watch scenes like this and i'm like why can't they just be cool? That's a good point. Yeah, Why yeah. Just, you know, and I so I really liked those parts for for some reason. Especially in this, where um, he has had so much other opposition. Every other interaction with him is like, wait, is he going to die here? Is he going to die for giving that kid a joint? Is he going to die for going into that door? Is he going to die for showing up to that party? Is he going to die for <laughs> driving by that place? And so you're like, oh, okay, this is good. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean these people you know the the the, the people that the, the characters look up to or whatever they don't always have to be j jonah jameson mm -hmm. you know they don't always have to be total dicks to you, you yeah know, yeah conceited assholes they can i can just be cool sometimes and then here they were so and he even says that he goes oh that guy is, he even says it he goes that guy is so cool 
oh he's so cool yeah you know yeah so well i think uh walk away from this one i think we established some good basis for some of the things of the coming of age story in particular the idea of uh there having to be that disillusionment of your current state to push you into the metamorphosis that will ultimately spit you out on the other side of manhood or adulthood. Um, you know, cause you know, after this story, uh, rocket can't go back to the way things were. He's well on his trajectory to becoming, you know, an established adult. Uh, and I think that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. If it does in different ways, in our other pieces, whether it be Freaks and Geeks or King Dork. And uh, it would be interesting to see if there are any, some great songs that capture that idea of disillusionment. So, hmm. Anything else, Jay, for you on this? Let me just ask you a quick question mm-hmm. before we go. Yeah. Most people look back on their adolescence with some fond memories, uh-huh. you know, uh, uh, you know, l- you know, y- you're saying, well, you know, you can never go back. And some people really do want to go back. Some, you know, do you think a character like Rocket, you think he looks back at his adolescence with any fondness? Or do you think he just goes, you know what? Screw that. I'm out of here. <laughs> I think, yes. I think there is a sense of that. I think, um, especially characters. And stories come out of poverty. Uh, poverty certainly is a lot of struggle, but there can be uh, sometimes m- money and the complexity of jobs that can get you the money to survive well makes life so much more seemingly complex than it is, uh, as opposed to in the city of God, he's poor. There's only a certain number of jobs he can get. He either gets them or he doesn't get them. He has his group of friends, and he knows the rules to the city. When Z is in power, he goes, I know I can go here. I know I can do this. I know I can't do this. I know I can talk Mm -hmm. to this person. I can't talk to this person, whatever it is. And there's a simplicity to that, that once you reach adulthood and life becomes complex, then even if your childhood was hard by other standards, there was probably a simplicity to it. In, in every childhood, yeah. even tragic ones, that you just, you, you can't get back as a fully functioning adult. Um, so yeah. Maybe. Plus, there's this, there's this weird thing about adolescence where you, you don't really understand a lot of times the, the exact amount of danger that's around, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the ignorance <laughs> like of it kinda, all. Yeah. The, uh-huh. The naivete of it all. Yeah. So, yeah. That's another thing too, mm-hmm. is it's, beca- you know, becoming an adult is just becoming aware of, of not just your mortality, but like your, the imminent threats around you. Or if there aren't, then you create them in your head. You know, yeah. like the kid who's like, oh my God, if I don't get asked to this dance, I'm going to fucking die. You know, you've created that, <laughs> you, you create that threat. You create that complexity. There's something internal in you that's like, life has been too simple for so long. So if it can't be more complex now, I'm going to make it more complex. Which you see that a lot more in 
suburban coming of age stories where life is pretty routine and simplistic. So the characters have to create their own uh, conflicts and drama. I wonder if we'll see that in any of our upcoming more mm-hmm. suburban-esque stories. Well, we will be on the lookout for those complexities, and you can be on the lookout for those complexities, too, if you read and watch along with us. Uh, Again, this is a four-part set. This was part one, City of God. Part two is going to be Freaks and Geeks. We're going to be looking at that series. Uh, Jay's going to watch them all, I think. He's he's into it. I'm almost I'm, there. I'm going to skip around. I'm going to skip around, and we're going to talk about the 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 larger story arc of our, our characters, some of our favorite moments, some of the things that ring true, uh, as far as what it, you know, those moments of moving in to uh, uh, from a childhood to adulthood. So we hope you join us on this journey. Uh, you can always find our old episodes on popbonsai.com or on any of your podcast provider apps like iTunes or Spotify are some of the major ones. Um, and you can go and check out our playlist also on our website or through Spotify and YouTube just by searching Pop Bonsai and our playlist will pop up on there as, long, as well as our old episodes. So mm-hmm. until then, until we see you on the webs or maybe in person, when you turn around on the street, you're like, oh, there's Jay. Oh, man. We will catch you next pop wave. Bonsai!